something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the secret broadcast cave of the Phantom Radio Studio in Lake Wales, Florida, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. PBA Hall of Famer Len Nicholson started this show in 2002, and since then, he's recorded over 1,200 shows featuring over 400 different guests. That's a literal who's who in bowling. In 1995, Len finished his lane conditioning relationship with the PBA. That same year, John Davis of the Kegel Company requested for his professional lane maintenance guidance, and he's been with Kegel ever since. It's always fun, it's always informative, and now the Phantom and his friends are hosting the Phantom Radio Junior Bowling Club. The Phantom will tell you more. Phantom fans, let's welcome our host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company. Well, Phantom fans, this week's guest has been on our show many times before, and believe me, he is a man who has done it all. He is a former PBA Central Regional Manager who took over for the late, great Dan Ottman in 2004. He's also an author of his autobiography book called I'm Feeling Almost Famous. And now he has others. He has created multiple PBA regional tournaments. He's bowled at well over 200 PBAs in his career which is somewhat amazing because he didn't join the PBA till he was in his mid-40s. So here is the Z-Man, Gary Zawinski. Hello, Gary. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Good to talk with you, Lenny. It is wonderful to be here once again. Uh, I've been on once or twice, I think. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something right up front. Uh, You're a communicator, and I'm a communicator, especially with my friends. I know you're a little bit under the weather lately. I had your schedule to come on, and but you told me you weren't feeling that good. So are you all better? Uh, yeah. Uh, oddly enough, at 66 years old, I came down with a case of mono. And I had no idea I had it. I couldn't <laughs> stay awake and, and, and everything. And I went to the doctor and he says, well, you're just getting over it. And I says, oh, well, great, lovely. Um, but uh, I had no energy. I bowled one night in league. I, I couldn't even get the ball down the lane. I was so exhausted. But, yeah, that came out of nowhere. But I'm I'm ready. I'm fitting, ready to go now. Well, you know, you didn't tell me that, uh, probably because we all know mono is usually a young person's disease uh, that they get from making out in the backseat of the car when they're 17 years old. So yeah, what have you been up to? I have no idea where I got it from, but, you know, that's what I asked the doctor. I says, I thought this was a young person's disease. He says, no, um, you know, as a senior citizen, you can still get it. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, it, it kicked my tail. I couldn't stay awake to save my life. Uh, I hope you got a shingle shot because I didn't never got one. I figured out what the heck, but they kept telling me in the drugstore, you better get one. I didn't get one, and I got the shingles. And it was miserable. So do me a favor. 
Well, I've already got that because our mutual friend, Randy Hart, got shingles and he had it for almost three years. And it was he had that miserable, miserable case. And he begged me to go get a shot. And I did. All right. So listen, uh, in the intro, I mentioned that you joined the PBA tour when you were in your 40s. Why did you wait so long? I really didn't plan on it. At 21 years old, back in the days in 1978, I think it was, when we had to go to PBA school and all that, I had a guy that had money put away, and I was the little local hot shot. I broke my right hand, and I got the cast off, and four days later, I shattered my right hand the same place I broke it before. And he considered me broken, and uh, that check that was put away for me to go out on tour was gone. It disappeared. Life happened. Got married, had a daughter, you know, had a job. And before I knew it, I was in my mid forties and I was bowling with uh, some guys and that bowled on tour. And they go, why did you ever not take a chance? I said, well, you know, the broken hands stopped me. So I just never thought I could do it. And they encouraged me. And then uh, somebody gave me some guy named Dan Ottman's phone number. And I called old Dano and Otter did a good sales job. And he talked me into to trying it out. And that's that's how why I, I waited so long. Life just happened in between. But uh, I got my opportunity at 44 and I grabbed it. I mean, I bowled everything I could bowl uh, up until uh, about a month ago when I finally hung it up. Well, let me ask you, you know, I got a two-part question here for you. Uh, when you went out on the tour, uh, was it what you thought it would be? It was more difficult than I ever imagined. I mean, I knew you had to be good, but as a young cocky kid, I was pretty good. And uh, but as a 44 year old, I mean, I was I was the oldest guy in almost every tournament I bowled in because I bowled with the kids all the time. And uh, the kids being anybody under 50, uh, I had a rude awakening because I had never bowled a lot of tournament play. I didn't even bowl city tournaments. I never had time because of my the company I ran. In, in one respect, it wasn't what I expected. It was more than I expected. But I got to be around guys that I watched on TV and all that, and I got to live my dream. So I just rolled with it until I kind of got adjusted to what was going on out there. (laughs) Yeah, that is a tough league out there. You know, a lot of times we're the best player in our own bowling center, even in our own area. But when you encompass, you know, all the guys, not only in all of the United States, but the foreign guys that have come over that are really great, too. It's amazing how much talent there is. But uh, part two, how about the changes that took place during that time that you were out there? There have been a ton of them, and, and they're they're ongoing. The, the changes I saw the most were the lane patterns. Uh, you know, when I when I started, we had five. I think it was five lane patterns: A, B, C, D, E, and F, or whatever. And now there's there's so many different variants of that, uh, and the equipment. And the equipment is just gone off the hook. Uh, even as a, as an old guy, I, I just, I can't make the ball do what I used to make it do. But yeah, those, those kind of changes, plus the, the, the talent of the kids coming out is just amazing. I mean, I'm not a two-handed fan at all. I'm an old traditionalist, but I'll tell you what, there, there are kids bowling now. When I was in my early twenties, I didn't care who you were, where you were at. You wanted to bowl jackpot. I was all in. Now, I wouldn't bow jackpot against the 13-year-old because he's probably averaging 230. It's it's crazy. And, I mean, it's good for the sport, but being a traditionalist, I have a little problem with the two-handed thing. 
Well, like I say, you're the communicator and, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of thought that way, uh, in the whole industry, but, uh, you know, you're an old timer like myself and back in the day, you know, the fifties and the sixties, uh, it was all accuracy. You had to hit the pocket uh, nine times a game to keep up and you had to hit your target. You know, nowadays, not only the two handers, but the game has changed to speed and hook power and rev rate and all that kind of stuff. So you very rarely even see anybody that throws the ball dead straight anymore like we used to back in the day. In fact, some of the guys that uh, we've even lost a couple of them, and one that comes to mind is Roy Buckley. Uh, you know him well. He was from Ohio, and he was a great player. Down and in, he could hit a bug you know, at 45 feet. And those guys are, are gone forever. It's a shame. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if you see the same thing I do. But Well, I, I, what I see is that accuracy is out the window. They can make it up with power and speed. I bowl with some guys that are all over the place. But you know what? If the ball hits a head pin at the speed and the rev rate they have, pins are dancing all over the place. It's just it's it's frustrating for for somebody who's pretty – I'm pretty accurate. It, it's just it's frustrating to see that. But – you know, it's what the game is now. So that's part of the reason that I've, I've kind of stepped away as a PBA player. It just uh, my my body won't let me go out there and, and compete for eight games and then make the finals and have to come back the next day and, and bowl 12 more. Yeah, well, America's pastime has gone through the same thing. Um, it's a power game out there now. You know, I can't believe looking at the statistics that these guys are striking out 200 times a year. and But the home run is what everybody's looking for. I guess I guess what to say is true, the women like the long ball, right? That's <laughs> it. That's it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, I'm not sure I even know, even though I've known you for, it seems like, 40 years. Tell us more about how you – became the PBA Central Region Manager. Uh, our mutual friend, Dan Ottman, is the guy that talked me into bowling. Uh, he got me hooked into working with him uh, as his announcer on the PBA events because of my radio background, which is a whole story in itself. When he walked into the first meeting that I ever uh, had anything to do with for being the announcer, and he goes, hi, guys, uh, Gary's going to run the program, and Dan turned around and walked out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> let me stand there. I was like, luckily for whatever reason, then I had assigned guys lanes. Otherwise I'd be, I'd been scrambling. Dan and I became very, very close. And, and every day we spoke every day uh, through instant messenger, but at times on the phone uh, every day from the day that I talked about joining the PBA until the day he passed away, we spoke every day. And then suddenly when um, he passed away, I was bowling in a tournament in Springfield, Illinois. John Weber and uh, my old travel partner, the late Dave D'Entremont, came walking down the, the concourse looking at me. And I knew at that point that Dan, had they said he had been in the hospital. And uh, it was then that they came down and told me that he had passed away. And that was that was a tough day. That was one tough day. I, I talked to you not long after that. You helped me through a lot of, of problems I had with what had happened there. Because I had been helping Dan, and he kept telling me before he passed away, I'm going to show you this. And I'm like, Dan, I'm a player. I shouldn't see budgets and all that stuff. 
He says, you're going to need this. He mm. just, for some reason, he, he knew he was sick. When he passed, uh, the PBA came to me and said, we know you've been helping, Dan. Can you help us out until we find someone? <laughs> and um, so I, I wasn't necessarily doing it, but I was helping with our region as they would send other, you know, Russ Mills in from the East or, or Pete McCordick in from the Southwest to run a tournament or Corey Kitzner from the national tour. And then I would kind of handle the local end of it with the players. Then they advertised for the job and um, I was very touched, but it was on a bar napkin, uh, but 77 players signed a petition and they handed it to then my what became my boss, Bobby Dinkins, and said, this is the guy we want to be the regional manager. Went through the whole interview process. There were 77 applicants, I guess. And um, even though I was a bowler, they didn't really want a bowler because I would be on the bowler side of them. But uh, it came down to I, I checked all the boxes as being a businessman and, uh, you know, a leader and, and already being in a position where the players wanted me. I was hired, went through 19 months of being a regional manager. And, and, and frankly, I loved running the tournaments. I, I absolutely loved it. Some of the things that the PBA did uh, Monday through Thursday, I just couldn't deal with some of the, the things they wanted us to do as regional managers. And it just wasn't for me. I guess I was too much of a player. And yeah. uh, that's when I stepped away and went back to just being a bowler. I wouldn't have put in for the job because I owned my screen printing company. But for whatever reason, I just felt that Dan had kind of anointed me to take over. Wonderful vote of confidence from the guys because, you know, not only is it a very competitive thing out there, but the whole nine yards of the whole thing that I loved about the PBA uh, was the camaraderie amongst all the guys. Uh, well, yeah, and I had to I had to call a meeting. Brian Himmler grabbed me at a tournament and, and pushed me into a, a little side room and said, tell me that you quit, that they didn't fire you. I says, no, I, I chose to step back and, and become a bowler again. Uh, I says, I just didn't like the, the corporate end of, of how they ran the PBA at that time. So I had to have a meeting with the guys and explain that why I made my decision. Uh, and I thanked them all for their confidence in me and for uh, uh, standing behind me, you know, and, and I thought I was a pretty good regional manager. I was fair. I was a rules guy, which I got from Dan Ottman. Uh, you know, the rules are the rules. And and I got into arguments with the higher echelon at that time that if you have a rule book, follow the rules. If not, throw the darn thing away. Yeah. And we went round and round about that. And um, I finally just decided the year, the year that I did, I was on the road, I think, 42 weeks because I ran the senior tour, the regular regional tour, and we had like 28 tournaments. Yeah. And then I had to help when the national tour was in my region. You know, I just wanted to go back and, and be a player. I, I waited all my life. I dreamt of being a player from the time I was probably five years old. My dad died when I was 12, but he gave me the game of bowling before he, he left me. And um, I got a chance to bowl with the who's who, I'll tell you. Uh, there were there were more times when I bowled bad because my goosebumps were so big because of who I was bowling with. <laughs> you know, you you're coming up on uh, what I call a Nostradamus thing here. You're kind of reading my mind because I want to ask you. You know, 21 years as a member that uh, you met all those guys, you hung around with the guys. Uh, who back at that time 
stood out to you the most? There are different levels to answer that. First okay. of all, uh, Ottman was running a tournament in Chillicothe, Ohio, which is about two and a half hours from where I live. And I thought, you know, I'll go down and watch the senior guys bowl. It was a senior tournament, senior national, and he was helping her. Or no, it was a senior regional. And I thought I'd go down and help. So I went down, and I'm sitting at a table in the roll call, and Dan's telling everybody who I am. So when I go walking through, they know who I am. I'm still fairly new. And I stood up. He said, stand up and turn around and let everybody see who you are. And I stood up and turned around, and I was sitting at a table with Dick Weber, Mark Roth, Johnny Petraglia. And I can't think who I but but it was like I was in complete awe when that happened. I mean, I was completely, completely thrown. And um, getting to talk to, to Dick Weber was uh, a true honor for me because, you know, I go back to watching these guys on TV when, and, and I idolized all of them. And um, so I, uh, I would have to say Dick Weber made a big impression because he was easy to talk to. Then I go through a whole different era of, of you know, traveling with Deontremont for several years and Dave and I were really close and be, through Dave, I was accepted. Well, being a regional manager helped, but, but through Dave, I was accepted by the guys on the national tour and I got to bowl in tournaments and practice and stuff with, you know, guys that I never dreamed I'd even be standing on the lanes with. Uh, <laughs> the best one was in uh, uh, Woodland bowl in Indianapolis. We were warming up for a, a, a tournament and they were opening up practice lanes and I'm, I'm bowling on a, on a pair by myself as they opened up. And all of a sudden I turn around and Parker Bowen walks down and says, Hey, uh, Gary, can I bowl with you? Well, first of all, I was shocked. He knew my first name. <laughs> and secondly, I'm like going to say no. I said, sure. You know, so it's just Parker and I bowling. And I'm thinking, does somebody have a camera? And I mind you, I'm a rookie at this point. I'm pretty raw. <laughs> um, and then this other guy walks over and says, Hey, I, you know, there's not many, I, I'll bowl with you guys too. And it was, name was uh, Walter Ray Williams. Oh. <laughs> so there I am practicing with Walter Ray and Parker. And I, you know, I got to hang out and be with, with those kind of guys and uh, a dream come true. I mean, the only thing I can compare it to is, is when I was in radio, I covered the Cleveland Indians. And the first time I went down through the tunnel in the locker room and I came up and I stood in the dugout and I realized where I was standing. <laughs> uh, and then the players come by and, and someone were patting me on the back and stuff. I was like in awe of this. The same thing with bowling. I mean, I, I'd walk in the locker room and just thrown by the names. Carmen Salvino would sit and hold court and guys would all listen to him tell stories. And it was just, uh, you know, I, maybe I, because of my age, I kind of went toward those guys more than, than some of the newer guys, but you know, there were, there were a lot of new guys that I hung around with and I bowled with in like the world championships. Uh, I bowled, I got paired with some nice pairings, um, Steel Smith and uh, Devaney and, and, and those guys and, and watching how they, carried themselves and how they bowled was uh, very interesting and very educational for me. A lot of people didn't know Dan Ottman because he was just a regional director, basically. He wasn't out there in the limelight. Uh, there's another friend of both of ours that was behind the scenes, too, that we just both of us have a love for him, and I want to mention his name. I think you did earlier, uh, Randy Hart. Uh, I know he's still pretty active out there. Do you get to see him now and then? Oh, yeah. Randy only lives about 35 miles from me. Uh, I know we've called you one night on on, on a phone while we're having dinner. We go, uh, uh, my wife and I go up there, or or Randy and his wife Renee come down to see us about once a month at, at the least in the summer, sometimes a couple times a month. We always get together, have dinner. Um, 
go hang out at the uh, the bowling center that he runs. He runs a whole complex, actually. It's a, a huge hotel, bowling center. They've just put in a gambling area and everything else, and uh, it's it's really amazing. And Randy, uh, Randy works way too hard for <laughs> for his money, but but it, I love him. He's like my brother. There is one solid individual. You know, if you only had five friends, you'd like them all to be like Randy, man. What a what a guy. What a family man. And I know his wife, Renee, too. And uh, I miss that guy. So I, I wrote all of my books are clean. And I wrote them with my, my granddaughter in mind. I wanted to make sure I wrote stuff that she could read. Beautiful. And I've had people say, well, you know, why don't you spice them up a little bit? I says. You know, I can, but it's just not my my personal thing. I, I write books that are very much like a Hallmark movie. And um, I, I like to, to think that, you know, I could anybody could read them. I could give them to a 15 or 14-year-old girl or a boy or whatever and not have any worries about what they're reading because there's, you know, there's romance, but there's not that kind of romance in it. Good for you. So... How can people get a hold of them and uh, get a website and all that kind of stuff? Give us some information. I got a website and all that kind of stuff. I um, They can get a hold of my books. Uh, I only sell them through my own website uh, at zmanalmostfamous.com. It's all one word, zmanalmostfamous.com. Or they can email me at zmanalmostfamous at gmail.com. Or uh, I have finally broke into the new tech world. Uh, they can look me up at Gary Zwizinski, Z-W-I-E-Z-I-N-S-K-I, uh, on Facebook. And I have a, a, I, I post my new releases and things like that there, although you got my new release probably two days ago in an email. Yes, I did, but I need you to do one thing again. Uh, I just call you Z-Man, even though I've known you for over 40 years. I want you to spell that name again so people that, you know, didn't hear it exactly the same way before they can write it down. So I don't want them to miss. What's it's, that an e- it's an easy English Irish name there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first name there is Gary and the spelling on the last name is Z like in zebra W I E Z I N S K I. It's a, I found out at 54 years old. Now my dad always said he was from Poland and I looked at his um, naturalization papers he was born in Austria. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm Austrian with Polish uh, Polish background. So, <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, I'm looking at the old clock in the wall. We've done it again. Uh, we've maxed it out. I appreciate you being on. And you stay in touch and, and make sure you take care of yourself. And I don't want to hear no more about this uh, sicknesses that you're getting because, you know, I, I miss you. I, I want to see you again. I got a good friend in Michigan. I'm going to go back and see one of these days as soon as we get the time. But uh, I'm going to look you up when I go back there because I think that there's an a airport there in Cleveland you can stop off at, right? Oh, yeah. Either that or we can uh, we can meet in Sandusky and, and have dinner with Mr. Hart. Boy, that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, if I went back there, it'd be for about a week. Uh, because uh, you can't hit and miss one day. That, that'd that be crazy. But anyway, Pards, uh, that's going to wrap up another show for this week. I'm going to stay in touch with you. I hope that you all enjoyed it. You enjoyed hearing from Gary Z-Man Zawinski. And we look forward to talking to all of you again next week. We'll have yet another interesting guest to talk to. And 
please don't forget to tell all your friends about the show. And we sincerely want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling Products and Brad Edelman from the High Roller fame. And they do all they can to bring us back to you each and every week and each and every year. We've been doing this now for 22 years. We also want to thank our good friend Dave Kowalski, who got us help with starting us with the uh, junior tournament uh, membership club that we have. And uh, we'll be talking about the each and every week, but I want to spend some extra time with with Z-Man today because I missed him when when he was sick there for a while. So I'm going to have him back on every once in a while. Give us an update. Uh, Last time, I think he had 49 books. Now he says 71. So, geez, I must have been gone for two or three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bart. Thanks again. And I'll be in touch with you, Gary. And uh, you take care of yourself. And Phantom fans, this is The Phantom. When you're down and troubled And you need some love and care And nothing Oh, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon